Think on this. That's the title of today's message. This is the, the scripture that we've been sing, singing. You may be singing it. I say it uh, every Sunday here. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. He will help you. God is in the business of helping people. And last week, if you weren't here last week, you should really, it's online, you can listen to that message. I think it, it was really good for you, everybody. And uh, I just want to say a couple of things that I said last week. Christianity is really miserable if you're trying to do it and trying to live it. I was a miserable Christian for a lot of years in my life because I was trying to please God, trying to do all of the things that I felt like a Christian should be doing and failing miserably. Christianity is Christ in us, living through us. It was never meant to be apart from Christ. It was never meant for you trying to do something to please God. Man, that just set me free. I don't know about you. Some of you look like you need to be set free, but anyway. People are still trying to live for God through the old covenant. Still trying to do that. And I'm telling you, you're going to be struggling, and then you'll probably end up quitting. But uh, today's title, think on this. You, your mind will think most about what is it's most exposed to. Whatever you expose yourself mostly to, that's what you're going to be thinking on. This is in the scripture, so I know the PowerPoint people, is, I don't want to give this to them. I want you to hear this. This is Romans 15, 13, the Passion Translation. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. Uncontainable joy and perfect. You know how so many people are, they feel hopeless. Melody and I were talking about this on the way to church. You know, when people think this is hopeless, you've taken God out of the equation. You're never without hope if you have God. That is awesome. It says, and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Some of you are staring at me if it's because of this shirt. My, my wife got this shirt in Africa when she was there. I'm just trying to break the ice. It feels like there's some ice cold stuff going on. So I thought, well, just talk about your shirt. Anyway, 2 Timothy. Some of you, it's not illegal to laugh or smile in church, just so you know. If you're visiting here today, it's okay. It's okay. I thought Tiffany was going to introduce all the visitors and ask them to go to the restroom as well. But anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit and the breath of God. It will empower you by its instructions and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. It's talking about the word of God. So many times we just neglect maybe the word of God. You know, I don't want anybody to feel condemned or convicted. But the Word will help you. The Word was 
God spoke the word so it could be written. And the word is written so that you and I can speak it. And so many people teach that, you know, that God's word isn't enough to complete you. You are complete. It's just that we have to know who you really are. And the word will tell you who you really are. They say believers have to suffer and try to, to attain maturity. You know, I, I was raised in church where it, all suffering, no matter what it was, that was God trying to get you to mature. Anybody get taught that? That, you know, all suffering, anything that bad happens to you is God. You know, and finally I came to a conclusion like, why do you believe in a devil? If God's doing all this, we don't even need a devil. If God is doing all the negative, bad, terrible stuff, you know, let's... And then, let's try to get people to come to Jesus. And give them this kind of testimony. Come to Jesus. He'll repossess your car. He'll cause you to have cancer. And he'll take your firstborn and come and meet my Savior. No, I'm good. That's what my my response would be. No, I'm good. And I know most of you know this, but there's some people who... You just need to be reminded that that's not my God. Amen? Amen. These are two things that the devil tries to do. To doubt what God has said and doubt who God is. He did that with Adam and Eve. And he still has the same game plan today. We are, he tries to make us doubt what God has said. And he tries to make us doubt who God is. If God is a good, good father, then why is this happening? If God is a good, good father, then why is that happening? And I'm not going to get, that's not part of my message, but you know, I'll just say this. Everybody has a free choice. There's people that can take a gun and shoot people, but that doesn't mean guns are evil. It means that it's, it, it's kind of like money. Money's not evil. It just will tell what kind of person you are. If you're stingy before you get money, you'll be stingy after you get money. If you were generous before you get money, you'll be generous when you get money. Money just tells what kind of person you are. That's good. Amen. Thank you. I will say this. The more that our mind is renewed to the Word of God, the more you recognize deceit and lies. People are believing lies about who they are today. That, oh, I'm not really a good person. Oh, I, I'm just a sinner, and I'm just this, or I'm just that. As long as you believe that and see that about yourself, that's what you will be. But if you can believe and see something different about yourself, that's who you'll be. So when we see Jesus in the Bible, you know, isn't it funny? Did you know Jesus never carried a weapon? He never carried a weapon. You ever thought about that? You really don't need a weapon when you have a tongue that it talks about in Revelation that it's a two-edged sword. It shows a picture of Jesus and his tongue's a two-edged sword. Now, that's a sword. What, what is that a picture of? It, he's saying that his words are more powerful than any weapon that you can have. It's more powerful than a nuclear bomb. Having said that, today I'm going to talk to you about what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth? 
In Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, it says, He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp, it's not just a sword, it's a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. That's God. That's why he doesn't have to have a weapon. When you've got something so powerful as a mouth that can speak things and it's going to happen, that's powerful. I'm going to talk today about a story you may be familiar with, you may not, about Balaam. Balaam. It's a story that, you know, after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and they were getting ready to go into their promised land, the land that God gave them. But Balak, the king of Moab, knew that when he was up on the mountaintop and he saw the children of Israel, it looked like the sand, man, that there were so many of them. He knew he was outnumbered. And so Balak, the king of Moab, he went and he got Balaam, who was a prophet. This was uh, the, what's the word? Um, I just went blank. When somebody knows what you are, the. Uh, seer, or seer. No, he was a seer. This is kind of like charades. Come on, help me out. <laughs> if I had a Pictionary, I would draw it on there, but. Uh, Nice shirt, thank you. That's <laughs> like squirrel. Anyway, <laughs> Dan Baker, that's him. Squirrel. Uh, you know, when your reputation, thank you. Nobody said his reputation was whatever he said. <laughs> For those who are visiting, this is not my first time preaching. Fourth or fifth time, but anyway, his reputation was that whatever he said came to pass. Balaam had the reputation that whatever he said came to pass. So it was just awesome to have that kind of reputation. So Balak, the king of Moab, went to Balaam and said, I want you to curse these people. Because he knew he was outnumbered and outgunned. But he knew if Balaam, whatever he said would come to pass, if he would curse the people... No problem. No problem. So, most of us do not put stock in our words. Did you know God wants you to have that kind of reputation? I remember I, we learned this back in the 80s and 90s, you know, my wife and I. My, so we learned that maybe you were part of that, you know, the charismatic movement that uh, it was really strong, powerful teaching about, you know, be careful of your words and your words are powerful. And, and, but then people just got in a ditch over that. You know, if you said, oh, that tickles me to death, somebody would rise up and say, you shouldn't be saying and talking like that. You could die. Really? Really? The reason people don't die when they say things like that is because they're not meaning what they just said. That they, that I'm, it's so funny that I'm going to die right now. Excuse me. No, that's not what they mean. So if you hear some message like that, don't get stupid on me. Testing, one, two. Don't get stupid on me. All right? 
You shouldn't have to say that, but some people just get stupid. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. That's how powerful God says your tongue is. But the problem is, we don't truly believe that. Don't say anything, but do you? Do you believe every single thing that comes out of your mouth is this verse? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, people are wanting power. God, give us power. I'm praying for power. God says, you've already got power. You already have it. People are praying and believing God, fasting for us to have power. Send the power. Give me power. Let the power rain down. And all you're going to hear is cricket, cricket, cricket. No, it's because the God has already, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, He comes and He dwells inside of you. And then He wants you to know, which most people don't really truly believe, that when you speak, it's the same as Jesus speaking. Which means what? Revelations 2.14, that, that's a sword coming out of your mouth, just like it comes out of Jesus' mouth. He that is joined, you know, my scripture that I've quoted so many times. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you are joined to God. When you give your life to God, you and Jesus become one. It's like a husband and wife. And they get married, they become one. Even though they're two separate people, they become one. And so knowing how powerful Jesus is, everybody says this, you know, goes to church. Jesus can do anything. Well, first of all, no, he can't. No, he can't. If he could do anything, he... He, he would just come down here and make you do exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And that would mean you are being perfect. So no, he, he doesn't do that. He gives us free choice. Everybody has a free choice. And that's called love. When you love your spouse, you let them have free choice. You don't say, you're going to do what I said. I had a friend. I still got a friend. But uh, <laughs> just so you know, he didn't forsake me. But anyway, when he first got married... This is so funny. Down in South Texas, and he starts pouting off, you know. I tell you what, the man is the head of the house, and, and what I say goes, you know. And he was walking in the kitchen, and he was doing that, you know, that southern strut, you know. And, and all of a sudden, he'd just been married just a few months. And all of a sudden, an orange juice can hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> now, we're talking like... 40 years ago when orange juice cans were not plastic. How many remember them? You know, they had the metal on the end of it. I thought, man, he, she could have killed you. He said, I know. <laughs> he said, after I picked myself off the ground, I said, I'm sorry. I understand now. <laughs> we're not, uh, you know, advocating that this is okay. So wives don't go buy orange juice after church, but... How did I get off on that? Anyway, death and life are in the power of an orange juice can. What if you meditated on how powerful you really are, that your words are? What if you came to a conclusion and you truly started believing that you could speak to your body that wasn't functioning right or had pain in it? You could speak to it and it would obey you. You say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, then it will never work for you. It will never work for you. 
I'm not there. Let me just say this. I don't want people to think, oh, man, you walk on water. No, I can't even walk on my bathtub water. When I fill it up, it, I go to the bottom. But this is the thing. I know that I have, Andrew Walmack says this, that I've left the port. I haven't arrived, but I've left. So in other words, you can't tell me that this doesn't work. You're too late. It's too late. Because I have spoken to my body before, and it obeyed me. Pain left my body. So you're too late to say, well, this just doesn't work. Well, first of all, if you don't believe in the Bible, then it, it, it's not going to work for you. But when you start believing the scriptures that say, death and life are in the power of my tongue. And then you start meditating or not, and you have to convince your brain. It's called renewing your mind. You renew your mind because your spiritual man does believe this, by the way. The spirit inside of you believes this. It's just what's between the two ears where we have trouble. That's where the problem is. It's between our two ears. But once you can convince yourself that when I speak, my words are powerful. So the reputation of Balaam, whatever he said came to pass. Numbers chapter 22 verse 6. This is Balak speaking. He says, Therefore, please come at once, curse the people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Wow. What a reputation. How did Balaam get this reputation? He knew God. If you read this story and come to find out, Balaam knew God, and he heard from God. God spoke to him. Balaam spoke to God. Verse 8, Numbers 22, 8. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God said to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying look a people who has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth come now curse them for me perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out verse 12 and God said to Balaam you shall not go with them you shall not curse the people for they are blessed so God let Balaam know that no I don't want you to curse these people now listen, if his words aren't so powerful, I mean, then God would have said, yeah, go on. Give it your best shot. See what happens. No, he stopped Balaam. He says, no, you are not to curse these people because they are blessed. Verse 13. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land. For the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. The princes of Moab rose and went to Balak the king and said Balaam refuses to come with us and Balak sent uh, again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they and they came to Balaam and said to him thus says Balak the son of Zippor please let nothing hinder you from coming to me for I will certainly honor you greatly and will do whatever you say to me therefore please come curse this people for me and if you read on to this he had a bunch of wealth, wagons full of wealth that he was bringing to Balaam to, to pay him to do this. Okay. Verse 18. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, 
Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord say to me. All right? This was Balaam's first mistake. God already said to him. What did he say? No. But evidently he was enticed ever so slightly. He saw the wealth that they brought to him and that he could have anything he wanted. And he says, you know what? Let me double check with God. Just in case. Just in case. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, it says, They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezor, who loved the wages of wickedness. So that's where he was being enticed. It's because of what he was loving. Now let's go back to Numbers chapter 22, verse 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam probably thought there was a crack in the wall. God said, okay, when they come early in the morning, then you, you go ahead. Now listen to what Balaam did. Verse 21. And Balaam rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Doesn't say that they came to him. He just thought, let the show begin. Let me tell you something. We don't think the right way about God's word or his words. We don't think what we should be thinking. Instead of speaking uh, the opposite of what you can look at your checkbook and everybody speaks what's in their checking account. Oh, I can't make it. I don't have enough money. You don't speak to your body like God wants you to speak to your body. I'm always hurting. I'm always in pain. I'm not condemning you, okay? Just everybody. Are you there? I'm just telling you, let's start switching this around. Oh, I've had bad knees since I was 16 years old. I did this, and, you know, I've had this. You know, I've had this. If you're always speaking that, then you're always going to get that. Okay, moving right along. Three times the angel of the Lord appeared to Balaam, but he could not see the angel. I think his mind was too on finances. And listen to me, just for those who, who, who don't hear or know what. I believe the Lord wants you to be blessed and prosperous. So don't think that, you know, we believe here that money is wicked. No, the Bible says the love of money is wicked. Money just shows up, tells on you what kind of person you are. But I believe that he, his mind was off of God now, and his mind was on how can I get this money. He was on this donkey. This is where the funny story kicks in. He's riding his donkey. The donkey sees this angel three times. So the donkey, run, the Bible says he runs through the vineyard away from the, the angel. And then the, 
the donkey, uh, he was right. He, he starts beating his donkey and everything, and it runs up against this wall, and, and it pins Balaam up against this wall, and, and it, he beats it again. And finally, the angel was in front of the donkey, and the angel just laid down. In verse 28, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. I don't know. I, I, can you get a mental picture of this? You got this donkey here, and the donkey turns around, and he starts talking. Everybody with me? And the donkey, she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? This is just great. And Balaam said to the donkey. He answers the donkey. I don't know about you, but I've thought about this so many times. This would not be the first words out of my mouth. Because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for I now would kill you. That would not be the first words out of my mouth if my dog or my cat or any animal I had turned around and said, Hey, Mike, what are you doing? Oh, well, you know, I'm just taking it easy. No, I probably would say, how can you talk? What are you doing? What's going on here? No, Balaam just has a conversation like you do with your wife. You know, I don't know. I just is a little bizarre to me. <laughs> is it to you? That, hey, my donkey just said today, you're what? Yeah, I was just talking to my donkey and he just said, yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah. So Balaam starts having a conversation with this donkey. Verse 30, the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours? I mean, when you were a little bitty kid, you were riding on me. Did I ever do anything crazy to you? We were best friends. Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And Balaam goes, No. I mean, this is just hilarious. I want to see that video when I get to heaven. Play the Balaam thing. Play, I want to see the Balaam. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Yeah, the donkey did see something. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey? God cares about the donkey. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside for me these three times. If she had not turned aside for me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. So the donkey was running for its life, but you were the one in trouble. Verse 34, and Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. You think? For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I'll turn back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men. No, you go ahead and go. But only the word that I speak to you that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. So I'll cut out a little bit. So Balak the king comes up and he meets Balaam and he, meet, he makes an altar to sacrifice. 
So Balaam says, yeah, you make a sacrifice, and I'm going to go and talk to God. He did this uh, three, I think it was three different times. And every time that Balaam comes back, he starts blessing. He goes on top of the mountain, and he sees the people, and he blesses the children of Israel. Balaam gets furious. And Balaam goes, well, let's get away to where we can't see the people. And they make another, I mean, he's just slipping in the slide. So they made other sacrifices. Balaam prophesies that they're blessed, that they're blessed. And then Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Balaam says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Whatever God, he's saying whatever God has blessed, you can't reverse it now. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. If you keep going on, he's prophesying about Jesus becoming the king. Balaam prophesies that Jesus is going to be be the king and he's going to come out of the nation of Israel this is what I want you to think did Israel ever sin he says I observe in verse 21 I do not observe iniquity or sin in Jacob and I mean it just makes you go say what these are the people that when Moses, you remember when Charlton Heston went up on the mountain, you know, what did the children of Israel do? They made a golden calf and said, this is our God. This is our deliverer. I don't know about you, but on a scale of 1 to 10 as a sin, that would be number 12. And yet, listen to me. You've got to get a hold of this. God is speaking through Balaam and saying, I don't see any wickedness or sin in the nation of Israel. Are you kidding me? They were rebellious. They were, they were wicked. And he said, no, this is what I see. I don't see any. This is old covenant. This is old covenant. Jesus hadn't came yet and washed away the sins of the world. This is how God sees his people. My question is, how does God see you? Quiet. Once God has spoken blessings over you, he will not repent or change his mind. Why is that important? This tells me, this illustrates that the blessings are not dependent upon our holiness but they are dependent upon God and God alone. Religion says you, you, you might not be worthy to accept this. Religion says that um, you can never do enough for God. Religion says that um, you'll never be good enough. You'll never amount to nothing. But what does God speak over your life? 
Unbelief stops the blessings of God. Not God. Your unbelief stops the blessings. The only thing that activates or deactivates the blessings of God are unbelief and faith. It either is deactivated or activated. It's not because of God. It's not even because of the devil. We are the ones. Are you ready for this great revelation? We are the ones who stop the blessing. This is what God has spoken over you. Just some of the things. I just want to just remind you. Deuteronomy 28, 13. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never be at the bottom. You say, well, you know, I can't always obey God, so that's never going to be for me. That's Old Covenant. When you read the Old Testament, you have to read it through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus obeyed everything perfectly that God told him to do. Therefore, you and I are in Christ. Therefore, you qualify. Because of what he has done, not because of what you did. So, what is he saying here? Mike Davis is always the head and not the tail. Whatever Mike puts his hand to will always prosper. I have all the blessings of God. I'm surrounded as a shield with favor all around me. No sickness or plague shall ever come nigh my dwelling. Sickness has been defeated. Mike, you are the healed of the Lord. You're blessed of God. And whatever blesses you, I will bless. This is what God says about you and me. But do we believe that? If you don't believe it, then it's not activated. The activation comes on whether you believe that or not. Psalms 91. Just go home and read that and go, that's me. Philippians 4.19. You know, if you're struggling financially, I'm sure there's some people in here struggling. Go home and just plaster Philippians 4.19. My God has provided all my need according to... His riches and glory. Thank God he didn't say according to the economy of the United States of America. We'd all be in a heap of trouble. But if you fear, listen to me. If you fear that our nation, that your well-being is based upon how the economy goes or doesn't go, then you're in trouble. So this is why God says, don't fear that. Hallelujah. Let me just say another thing about Balaam. Revelation 2.14. Revelation 2.14, real quick. I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught. Listen to me. The Bible says in Revelation that Balaam taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So Balaam knew that he couldn't get the wealth of Balak to cause a curse to come upon him. So you know what he did? I've run out of time, but this is what Balaam did. He says, I can't curse the people, but I can tell you something to do to cause them to not walk in the blessings of God, that they will give up on God and not serve God or not look to God. So he did. He taught Balak. The Bible says in Revelation 2.14. And so, sure enough, the Bible says that Moab started intermarrying with the children of Israel and they caused the whole nation to fall and worship other gods. Balaam was the cause of that. 
Balaam was the cause of that. Pretty powerful man. I just want you and I to know. You know how I preach the grace of God and the love of God. But I just sense that, you know, we have to believe on the inside of us who we truly are. If God has spoken blessings over your life and it's not coming to pass. If God has said that, 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes you were healed. If God has spoken all these things and, and you truly believe in the Bible. And you believe in the author of the Bible. If you believe in the author of the Bible who spoke those words that we have the Bible. If you truly believe that and it's not happening, I'm here to tell you, man, let's just stir ourselves up and meditate upon that it's not God withholding. Because obviously through this story, God did not withhold from Israel because of what they did. They withheld the blessings of God because of what they believed. And they started believing in other gods instead of the one true God. And because of that, the blessing didn't manifest in their life like it should. Now, granted, I don't think anybody here has a golden calf in their living room. You may, but anyway, my point is this. I don't think anybody's serving some weird God. You know, you believe in God and you're serving God. So what's the point? The point is this. We have to meditate and think on something different than what you've been thinking on. What I've been thinking on. We need to think that, you know what? My words are powerful. I do have the ability to speak to my body and my body obeys me. Luke 10, 19. You pull that scripture up? Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power, authority. My point is that everybody's waiting on God. To show up. Waiting on God's power. This is what God has said. This is God, what he said to you and me. Behold, I give unto you the authority, the power, to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God says, I've given you authority, and I've given you power. I don't want anybody to think, oh, as long as I do this, I'm going to have a rosy life. No, all hell will break loose in your life. Isn't that good news? No, all hell can break loose in your life. But this is what, how do you respond to the hell that's breaking loose? You can either say, well, I guess this is the way life should be, which most people do. You win some, you lose some. This is just part of life. No, this is the time that you go like, you know, Bible says in Proverbs, a righteous man falls down seven times. But what does he do? Shpoom, he gets back up. Shpoom, he gets back up. You know, I was such a redneck from Kentucky when I was there. You know, I, I was just feisty and just, you know, when I got beat up all the time because of my mouth. Because I always thought, you know, the little dog that, Barks at the big dog. That was me. You want a piece of me? And they go, yeah, I do. And they usually got more than one piece. But anyway, the, 
there comes a time when that's the way people are. But this is when you get born again. You give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what happened. The little yelping dog. The little, okay, chihuahua. If you have a chihuahua, I'm sorry. But it's a little bitty dog. And he's yelping and yelping. And this big, what's a big dog? Uh, I heard 14 and I didn't hear nothing. German Shepherd. Is there a mast? mast? How do you say it? Mastiff? That dog. And he's hovering over the, the little chihuahua. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like the little chihuahua that the biggest, greatest mountain lion comes inside the chihuahua. He's the big lion of the tribe of Judah. And now he's inside of the chihuahua. And the chihuahua's going, but now there's the lion inside. I thought that was a pretty good interpretation. You're laughing, but that was good. Let's see if you ever can do a dog. Where was I? The big lion is inside the little chihuahua. And now the, mast, the big lion's up here and the mastiff, mastiff, whatever that dog is, the big dog. He's up there and, he, and all of a sudden the lion of the tribe of Judah goes, the dog is going to run. That was a bad one, I know. Chihuahua was a lot better. You need a deeper voice. That dog is going to just get the point of the illustration. The big dog is going to run in terror. We were in Africa. I mean, I heard a lion roar. I mean, it would just make the hair on the back of your head just, woo. And that's what you and I are. You're not just, a, if, as long as you see yourself as the little chihuahua, you're, you're, you're going to get, like when I was a teenager, People are going to get pieces of you. The devil will get pieces of you. But when you and I see that the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus himself, dwells on the inside of you. And you become one with him. And that when you yelp, it's not just the little chihuahua yelping. It's the lion that's roaring on the inside of you. It's the, it's the lion inside of you. Therefore, you, Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you authority. It's the authority of Almighty God that's been given to you. It's not your authority. It's not Mike's power. It's not my authority. He says, I give unto you my authority. And Jesus, when he went to the cross, he said, All authority and power has been given to me. All power and authority has been given to me. And he turns around and he says, And now I give it to you. If every person on this planet understood that and have a revelation of who they are, there would be no more mass murders. There would be no more drug addiction. There would be none of this would be going on because you would have the authority and the power to speak to that. But 90-something percent of the world doesn't have a clue. And this is why we have church. It's called the good news. And so the good news is that God wants everybody to know that it's on this planet. That you've been given an authority over your situation and over your life. So walk in that authority. Walk in that power. Walk in the love that I've given you. And you'll see victory in your life. Woo! Let's stand.
a little bit of preach. <sighs> it takes some time. It's a journey, is it not? To know of the greater one who lives in you. To know the lion that lives inside of you. And the great thing about a lion is they have no, they have no enemies. In Africa, when we went there, we went on safaris and stuff. You know, they, they're not afraid of anything. They have no enemies. They have no fear of nothing. They have no fear of nothing. It's just an awesome animal. I love lions. I've studied them. They're just awesome. And this is why God is portrayed as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion is inside of you. We just don't let him go. Or we put duct tape around his mouth so he doesn't say anything. Because whatever comes out of your mouth, I said, whatever comes out of your mouth. Once you start seeing yourself differently, you'll start talking differently. If you see yourself in a different picture, in a different light, you'll start talking differently. I can never do anything right. It's amazing how that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I always catch the flu. I'm pretty sure if we check your record every year, you catch it. <laughs> Hallelujah. People say, well, this doesn't work. Oh, it's working beautifully for you. Sure is. It's working beautifully for you. Let's turn this. My mom said, if you don't like the way the cat feels, turn the cat around. Get it. But anyway, if you rub the cat backwards, you know how it feels funny. You know, but if you turn the cat around, you could keep rubbing the same way, and it feels better. So, if you don't like the way things are going in your life, start looking at what you've been saying. Start looking at what you've been saying, and then start thinking differently. Because whatever you think upon is what's going to come out of your mouth. Whatever you meditate upon, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So negativity, junk's coming out of your mouth, probably what you've been thinking about. You think you're a worthless nobody? And that's what you think, and that's what will come out of your mouth. This is what God said, I died for you. I was crucified for you. I gave my best for you so that you could have a life this earth, not just when you get in heaven, but a life on this earth that you can take control of. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for opening up our eyes that we may see ourselves. Help us to see the lion. May we just rip up the picture of the chihuahua and let us see a different picture inside of this guy. Father, above everything, Help us to see how much you love us. That you love every single person in here. And this is what you've said about your kids, about your people. What God has blessed, no man can curse. No man can. But Father, unfortunately, we've been cursing ourselves. May we understand that we've been redeemed from the curse. That the blessing of God is upon our life. 
each and every one of us see that in Jesus' name. Amen.